0: Welcome to The Business of Learning, the learning leader's podcast from Training Industry.
1: Hi, and welcome back to The Business of Learning. I'm Michelle Eggleston Schwartz, Editor-in-Chief at Training Industry, here with my co-host, Sarah Gallo, as Senior Editor. Welcome. In today's
0: episode, we're exploring the current state of diversity, equity, and inclusion training, commonly referred to as DEI training. As we record this episode in early 2024, it's clear that DEI is not just a feel-good initiative. Research has found that having diverse viewpoints at all levels of an organization can improve key business outcomes. With that, we're excited to introduce our guest for today's episode, who's here to share actionable tips for delivering DEI training that makes an impact. Our guest today, Deanna Singh, co-founder of Uplifting Impact, a training and education workplace inclusion firm, is one of our partners in the DEI space. She's written several articles for training industry, most recently around the challenge of diversity fatigue, which you can find on our website. Uplifting Impact wants to bridge the gap between intention and action. They offer consulting, training, and education services designed for your organization, backed with the knowledge and research needed to build a truly diverse and inclusive environment. Uplifting Impact believes the solutions for the world's problems already exist, they just haven't been heard from the people who hold them. Part of that empowerment starts with access to the knowledge that also exists. They offer valuable free resources on their website to infuse your inclusion journey. Dive into podcast episodes, comprehensive blogs, articles, eBooks, and assessments, all providing self-paced learning and insightful reflections. You'll also find powerful books by Deanna, offering deep dives into actionable best practices. Every voice matters and together we can uplift everyone. Visit upliftingimpact.com for more information today. With that, Deanna, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. It's always so lovely to be with you all. Yes, welcome. I am so excited for this conversation today because as we know, in the past few years, there's been a lot of momentum as well as setbacks regarding DEI training. So I would love if you could share more about the current state of DEI training within organizations and kind of what are some specific challenges that organizations are facing when it comes to DEI? So one of the things that we
2: see with a lot of our L&D leaders or those who are putting training together for their teams is really trying to understand how to best differentiate between those who may be really new to the ideas or the concepts, and those who maybe who have, you know, been at other organizations or even in their own organization who have more depth of knowledge and understanding how to make sure, and this isn't just in DEI, right? This is in any kind of great training that you're doing, but really making sure that you're differentiating and you're scaffolding in a way that's appropriate for people and where they are on their learning journey. I think another thing that's really kind of interesting right now is being able to navigate some of the different ways that people are talking about DEI, right? It um, definitely has taken on a new life, and there's a lot of different interpretations out there um, about what the work is. And so it's making sure that the organization has a very clear understanding of what they mean when they say those words, when they say diversity, equity, and inclusion, or when they say belonging, or when they, right, making sure that they understand what it is and that the people that they are training also understand what it is because again there's a lot of competing definitions and and ideologies around what it means and and how and where it should show up in the workplace.
1: Great. Diving into kind of how L and D can help support DEI, how can training and other awareness efforts help overcome some of these challenges?
2: Well there's a couple of things that I try to really emphasize and I, I think that it's important to acknowledge And one of the first things is that when we're talking about doing diverse equity and inclusion training, right, or belonging training, a lot of what we're talking about are the very same things that we see when we're talking about leadership training. And so I think one of the main things that L&D leaders can do and that they're really uniquely positioned to do is to help organizations across the organization, right, at every level, understand that when we're talking about these topics, what we're talking about is how would it be a good leader? I mean, that's at the crux of 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 all the work that's going on. And so I think making sure that the conversation isn't coming as like, oh, this is that other add-on thing, right? This is that, as Sarah said earlier, like that feel goodery thing. Like this is like that, right? Instead of that, it's more like, no, this is leadership training. We want our leaders to be able to lead across our organization in a way that allows for people to thrive and bring their best ideas and feel like they can show up authentically. And so that's, I think, a really, really key component that L&D leaders can do. The second thing that I will say, and this is something that I could literally talk about for hours and hours and hours, but I will not, Michelle. I will not, Sarah, I promise, okay? But the other thing that I would say is that we have to, I mean, it's imperative for people to understand that what we're talking about here is not based in like morality. If you know how to do these things, you're a good person. And if you don't know how to do these things, you're a bad person. I think that there's been a great disservice that's been done to this sector and to the space and into this learning because we often hear these kinds of conversations couched. If it's not said explicitly, it's definitely implied in the way that it's presented. When we talk about what this is and what kind of training it is, I really want people to focus on the fact that this is skill building, right? So kind of talk just into that same thing I was talking about with like, we're talking about leadership here, but also that this is skill building and emphasizing skill building. We do not expect in other parts of our organization for people to be able to come in knowing exactly what they need to do in order to do their jobs perfectly. If we did, there wouldn't be amazing organizations like ours, right? And and all of the wonderful people who are part of your association, that it wouldn't exist. Because we wouldn't need it, but that's not the reality. The reality is, is that we're constantly growing. We're constantly learning. Things are constantly changing. And so if we could approach this work with the same mindset that we do when we're talking about finances or when we're talking about marketing or when we're talking about operations or right, or technology, oh my goodness, technology. If we approached it with that same kind of mindset and and really focus, I think that also would help people understand and, and take away the onus of like, oh my goodness, I, I, I'm I not a good person if I don't know this into like, no, you're growing. Our goal is to be better than it was, than we were yesterday. So it's okay to come and to know that this is an
0: area of growth for all of us. Mm, I love that kind of the comparison you made of DEI training is so similar to leadership training. That's really true. And I think that in itself can kind of combat a lot of these misconceptions that it's not needed because we know leadership training is needed. So Absolutely. viewing it through that lens, it really does make total sense. <laughs> well, as I mentioned before, we're recording this episode kind uh, of the beginning of a new year, 2024. What DEI-related topics specifically do you expect to see organizations focusing on this year?
2: One of the big things that I think organizations, if they're not focusing on, perhaps should be focusing on, is how to help leaders, especially across different levels, right? So we often talk about, like, who are your individual contributors, who are your people managers, and who, you know, is part of your executive team. But making sure that each one of those areas of the organization understand how this work and the tools and techniques that we're teaching here really do impact the bottom line. So we're recording on a Thursday, And this week, every single day, so three times already this week, and I'm sure before the end of the day today, I have talked to organizations who have, at their executive level, have said to me, in no uncertain terms, if we do not do this work, if we do not get to a place where we can make sure that our organizations are truly inclusive in the marketplace, truly inclusive in how we're recruiting and and retaining people, we are not going to be able to compete hard stop. And so I don't know that that message or that that understanding is always completely clear across all of the parts of the organization. So do the people who are on the ground, right? Or who are your individual contributor, do they understand that if we don't continue to grow in marketplace, right? If we don't continue to bring new customers, if we don't continue to make sure that we won't be able to sustain this job, we won't be able to sustain this organization, Do your people managers know, hey, guess what? We are going to have a very diverse workforce. We already do have a very diverse workforce, and it's getting more diverse. We're experiencing more new things, right? More new. So in order for us to make sure that we continue to get amazing talent in the door and that you have amazing talent on your teams, we're going to have to learn how to do this. And don't get me started on the executive level. But I mean, if you think about, right, just how, how what the expectations are, and I, I tell people, this, this is a perfect example. Every one of us, almost every one of us, I should say, is now a news reporter, right? Every one of us has some kind of little device, either in our pockets and on our, on our desks, right? That allows for us to share with the world in less than a second, exactly what we think about everything. And so, as you're thinking about things like brand, as you're thinking about things like uh, having having that goodwill that goes before you, as you're thinking about, ooh, how are we going to actually measure against our competitors? As we're thinking about how it's easier to get anything by, from anybody anywhere in the world, right? Not knowing how to do this work and not having, knowing how to do it well, and not having it as part of your your authentic brand and your authentic operations and how and how you show up in the space. I mean, to me, that is a major, major, major issue and, and, a, and a risk that's not worth
0: taking. Yeah, great points. I think another challenge we kind of see here when it comes to DEI training is really sustaining its impact, you know, making sure we go beyond a check the box or one-off program. What recommendations do you have for our listeners on, on how to sustain the impact of that training?
2: I think everything that you do has to come back to what is the strategy of the company?
0: So, if
2: your training is based on, oh my goodness, we have this amazing person who does this work, or we have an ERG leader who's so passionate, or we have right, and so it's it's hooked onto a person, or if you're like, oh, you know, we do a really good job of doing these celebrations, and right, and and it, it brings a lot of joy. It's not to say that those things are bad, or that I mean, those are assets; those are incredible resources for you. But if you cannot connect what you're doing, right in the learning space and what you're doing with what the goals and business objectives are of the organization, if that ERG leader leaves, or if, you know, whatever might happen kind of at the, the delivery level, you're putting your programs at jeopardy. And I cannot tell you how sad it is, right, to talk to a, a person who's in L&D. First of all, I know how hard your job is, right? I know how hard it is to put a program up, get the funding for it, make the time for it, get the buy-in, you know, get all the assessments, make sure it is so much work. And then to turn around and see it disappear. What? You know, that's such a painful experience. And we have watched it happen to many of our partners. And when it happens, almost always, I'd say 99% of the time, it is because it was connected to something that was whimsical and not necessarily connected to what the business strategy was. Because once you do that and people understand like, no, this is a core part of how we, of what we need to do in order to be successful. It's much harder for that to get extracted um, when budget goes. It's much harder to, for that to be, get extracted when people leave. It's much harder when there's a certain headline in the newspaper, right? Like that's where it starts to get wishy-washy as opposed to feeling like really strong. So I tell people all the time, or, and it's one of my number one questions, okay, well, help me understand the business strategy. Well, we're tra- nope, I didn't, not what the department's doing. Help me understand the business strategy and then how this is connected back to it.
0: That's so important. And we talk about that all the time for any training program, you know, that it needs to be strategically aligned to the business. Like, I kind of want to piggyback on that and hear, based on your work in the space, what kind of metrics or KPIs or business goals do you see DEI training directly correlating to?
2: So, this is not a question I ever give a blanket answer for. And I'm going to tell <laughs> you. I th- <laughs> the reason why is because it goes back to what I just said about strategy. There is no one KPI. There is no one deliverable. There's no um that works across all of the organizations. You have to really know what your culture is. What does your leadership value? What do your key decision makers value? How is budget allocated? And once you understand those things, right, and it's all connected back to the strategy, then you can determine what your KPIs are. When an organization comes to me with KPIs before they've identified the answers to all those other questions, I don't know really why why we're having that conversation, right? It, it, because then it's just I don't know. We could I could give you a, I can give you a list of ten or fifteen. It doesn't matter to anybody if it's not going to change any decisions. If it's not going to help you learn anything from what we're going to do then I don't think that those are the right ones for you. And so one of the things that we end up doing a lot with organizations is, you know, we'll have people say, well, how did you get, I'll say, how did you get these KPIs? Or, you know, why are you looking at these ones? Well, I don't know. I talked to somebody else at another company and they were doing that. I'm like, "Mm -hmm. no, 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 right? Because your culture and their culture, there might be some similarities, some overlap, but more than likely there's not. And so we need to make sure that we're starting from where what's going to
0: matter in our own organization. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Perfect. We'll be right back after a brief message from Training Industry Courses.
2: Today's leaders are faced with a host of challenges, whether it's managing a remote team, keeping pace with the industry advancements, or navigating difficult conversations with employees. That's why Training Industry's Leading Leadership Development Certificate Program was designed to give you the skills you need to manage successful leadership development programs which in today's business climate is imperative for lasting success. Explore what makes a great leadership development program and learn strategies to develop your current and future leaders. For more
1: information on the program, visit trainingindustry.com backslash LLD. I want to shift gears and touch on a common challenge, our listeners face when rolling out any training program which is around gaining stakeholder buy-in and support, which you touched on earlier, how it is definitely a challenge. What advice do you have for our listeners looking to gain support for DEI training in their organizations? One thing that is a wonderful thing to do is
2: to identify who within your
1: organization
2: are already champions. Uh, Sometimes when we look at this work, um, the first thing that people want to do is they want to call out their executive champions, which is very important, absolutely key to the work and the work getting done. But we often will push people to go a little bit further than just thinking about who might be in an executive seat. Because as we all know, all of us who have worked in an organization of more than one, there are people who might not have the title, but who definitely have the influence. And so- The other thing that we try to do is really think about, okay, who are our champions? Yes, let's definitely talk about from the executive level, but let's also talk about just who are the champions within the organization, right? Who are really those people who help set the course and can help go before you, right? And sort of lay some of that groundwork out for you. And so... Identifying those early adopters, the people who are so excited to take your training, who are willing to write like a review, who want to do a video for you, who maybe want to do the introduction or want to participate in some way or help, you know, do some of the design work, identifying them and getting that energy going even before you are trying to pull in these different stakeholder groups. It's a very different thing if I'm in the department, right? I'm in some other department and and I say, oh my gosh, I had the opportunity to work on this and it has been so cool. And I saw the preview and then they did this. And can you believe they're going to do that? And guess what? We get to go to it next month. And I was wondering, can I take the first group of people because I've been talking about it. And that is much, much better, right? Then, okay, this is the, hey friends, this is the 15th email
0: I'm sending you. If you could please, 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 please respond back.
2: Of course, we're still going to have to send all 15 of those emails. I wish there was a world in which we did not right? But the first example is way more powerful than doing that and not having it, right? When you send that 15th email, you're much more likely to get a positive response. And so I just think that like, identifying of champion and opening up, being inclusive about how we think about the idea of champion is really powerful.
1: Love that. That is so important to find those champions and those people who are going to deliver that message and help support those messages instead of sending those 15 lonely emails like you (laughs) mentioned um, out to the abyss. So definitely super helpful. Another common challenge DEI training professionals face is around DEI fatigue and really how to sustain the momentum around these programs. Can you share more about what DEI fatigue is and how to overcome it?
2: So this is a term, you know, that has popped up. And like, I I, I wrote an article about this because we've been hearing it a lot. And uh, one thing I'll just say is that I think a lot of people assume that this is kind of a new thing. Like, oh my gosh, I can't this. I'm so tired. And so, overwhelmed. and I'm like, yeah, I hear you. It's very real, but it's not new. Right. The work that we have done has never been easy work. Um, Just this couple of weeks ago, you know, for Martin Luther King Junior Day, we always make sure in our home that we're doing some things to really expand our learning. Right. And so we're watching some historical videos and stuff. We have we have younger children and they were like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like and that sounds like and did it and that happened. You know, and so here you got an 11 and 15 year old who really understand what's going on, but not in a historical context, but very much in like a real context for today. Because many of the things that we're seeing are, have been here before in some form or another. Now they might feel different. They feel more urgent when you're in the middle of them. But I just, I think the one thing that I would just say is like, this is a sector that was built out of um, being able to manage through really tough things right? This is a part of of the world and the work that we do is a place that is full of inspiration and of hope. And so the one thing that I just try to remind people is like, it's not new. We've been here before and we've, we've succeeded and we've continued and we've made change and we will continue to do that. It might look different. It might sound different. It might have different names. It might have, but the work is still going to happen because the reality is I truly believe this that we are bending towards being better humans, right? Like when you look at the trajectory, we are bending towards being better humans. And that's what our work is. It's about I our thing in, internally, we always talk about hashtag like human better. That's really what we're what we're what we're teaching here, right? Like human better. So that's not going out of style. It's just not. Um, and you don't have to look too far to see that. So that's one thing. Remember, we've been here before. This is not new. You're gonna be okay. The second thing is. I do think that this work because it is so personal that it's important for people to take some space. It's important for you to have uh, your crew, right? I have a couple of different versions um, of them on, on my phone of people that I can reach out to like, hey, this happened, I'm not really sure. Or can I just can I just sit with you for a second? Or could you sit with me for a second? Because I'm trying to work through this because I do think having that community, a lot of the people who are doing this work in their organizations are by themselves. Right and and if not by themselves there's just a few, um and that's learning and development in general right it's like can you teach everybody how to do everything better oh by the way we have thirty million people we're gonna give you thirty dollars and you get thirty minutes of everybody's time, and we just need you to do this thirty days ago right so like these <laughs> I see you giggling right but yeah. but like. <laughs> So how do we make sure? And then when it comes into like this work around inclusion, it's so personal because it is, it is so much, we get into this work because we care so deeply and it is so much about like our identities. And so I do think you can't pretend like it doesn't hurt when it hurts. You can't pretend like it's not hard when it is hard. You can't pretend like it's not lonely. You can't pretend like it's not overwhelming when it is. And so having safe spaces, even for yourself, whether that's inside or outside of the organization to just like so that you can come back to the work with the kind of like vigor that you need.
0: I love that. So important. And I love the kind of hopeful note we landed on there with human better. I love that hashtag. I'm going to steal that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to steal it. Everybody, everybody has access to it.
0: There we go. <laughs> <Human better. laughs> Well, before we wrap up, I know this is, is a big topic. There's so much to cover. Are there any um, initial steps our listeners can take after listening in to kind of just begin improving DEI in their organizations?
2: So one thing that I will say, and I, I, I say this with a great deal of gratitude and for the work that everybody is doing. One of the things that I see happen in this space more than in other places, right? I mean, I've run on a lot of companies in my time and been in a lot of different sectors, but oftentimes in this space in particular, um, we put the onus of teaching these tools and techniques and all of that uh, to people who are still in the learning process themselves. And so one of the things that I would encourage you all um, to understand and, and hopefully, you know, Again, you understand where I'm coming from with this, but people all day long will say like, they'll introduce me. Hey, it's Deanna Singh. She is a DEI expert. And I'm like, is there another Deanna Singh in this room? Like, who are you talking about? And now I've gotten used to this idea, like people saying I'm a DEI expert, but I wish I could just redefine or maybe clarify what DEI expert means. Because if you're using it for me, what you mean is that I'm just doing better today than I was yesterday because I'm not an expert in anything, right? Like I'm constantly learning. I I make mistakes every single day. And so I think the one thing that I would just say with, uh, and and I know many of you might be coming into this space and like, wait, I got to train on this and I'm still learning. So I I just wanted to encourage you all that that's okay, right? You're just as much a DEI expert as I am because if if you have the right mindset, if you have the mindset of, I am going to open myself up to continuously grow. And I think it's also okay to say like, Hey, this is not my area of expertise. I need some support. Like I need some support. And if it's not fully developing it or putting the learning journey together, I need some support and just even getting to a place where I have the confidence that I need in order uh, to get in front of a group. And again, because we've moralized this, sometimes I feel like there's L and D leaders who call me in are Like, I just, I don't even know how to tell people that like, I I don't feel confident doing this. I don't, and it's not fair. It's not fair. And so I just want to, if you're in that spot, you're thinking that you're like, you can call us, we will be happy to help you. Or, you know, you can also have the courage, you know, to be able to just say, I, I need some additional support.
0: Yeah, that's so important. Well, on that note, Deanna, thank you so much for sitting down with us today on the business of learning. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out?
2: Absolutely. So you can reach out um, a number of different ways, but I would encourage you first to reach out on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time in the LinkedIn hallways and I meet such cool people there and would love to include you in that. So please feel free to reach out at Deanna Singh, just look to me directly, or of course you can reach out to the Uplifting Impact Company. Um, In addition to that, we have a podcast and I, we started this podcast because Literally, we were having the coolest conversations with some of the most amazing people in this space. And I was like, this seems selfish. Other people should also be able to hear from these wise, wise people. So if you'd like to join and kind of learn more and, and get a chance to hear from some of the leading experts in the field, like would welcome you to join us on the podcast. And the third thing is, of course, go to our website, which is upliftingimpact.com. We're constantly, constantly trying to put out information to make your lives easier I have so much love and respect for the work that your listeners do for the people, you know, who are connected to the organization, because I know how hard it is as a lifetime educator myself. Like there's nothing more exhilarating than getting in front of a group of people and watching their light bulbs go off. But all the work that goes into getting into that moment is so intense. And so just know I'm I'm rooting for you. You're, you're awesome. You've got this. And and I'm I'm just so thrilled to be able to be part of your network.
1: To learn more about DEI training, visit the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com/trainingindustrypodcast. And if you enjoyed this
0: episode, let us know. Rate or review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, if you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info@trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.